Welcome to another edition of the Vanity Podcast. I have a special guest I'm really excited to talk to. The founder, lead vocalist, and overall brainchild behind the band Filter, Mr. Richard Patrick. Dude, I appreciate you doing this. I wasn't sure if... Uh you know, I would even hear back after after messaging you. I really don't respond a lot to uh, uh, podcasts and stuff just because I'm so damn busy. I'm freaking busy as hell. So I apologize for to the entire podcast community that uh, it's uh, it's hard for me to pull away from from my musical stuff that I have to do. Are you working on new filter stuff right now? Uh, I'm working on filter, but I'm also doing scores for movies and um, and TV. And so that's kind of, you know, there's two careers happening at the same time. 25 years since the release of Short Bus. Does it feel like 25 years to you? No. I mean, it feels, it, it's just bizarre to think of, um, you know, I think of my life in decades in like chunks of 10 year periods of sure. time. And, um, you know, when you're 52, you start realizing like, damn, that was 25 years ago. You, you know, it, it, you know, it, it was so amazing to release a record, you know, for me, I was like, so overwhelmed with, with pride and, and happiness and, um, that, you know, that still feels fresh. You know, I, I think it's um, it's strange that I've, I've I've made six records since then, or seven. I can't even keep track. Um, but I, uh, you know, that was a big moment, so it feels fresh. But yeah, it's twenty five years. It's insane. And I know part of like the the marketing behind that record was you didn't want to use the the fact that you had been previously associated with nine inch nails and in, in, prom in promoting that, which I think is hugely admirable. Yeah, no, I, I, I had like, we almost went to blows uh, in the, the label because I was like, look, I don't, I don't identify myself as, as piggy, the guitar player anymore. And um, you know, I, 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 I wish those guys well, but I'm not going to, we're not going to put that as, as, as like my thing. They were furious. The The label was like, you earned it. You know, you were on tour with Nine Inch Nails. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but if you if you read into the, the liner notes, it's almost as if, you know, you're just, you know, it's because it says Trent Reznor is Nine Inch Nails. And you you're automatically kind of put in your place if you read the record cover. You know what I mean? Like, so I just was like, look, I had a great time. I had fun touring with Nine Inch Nails. It was a great time. Trent was a was a was a was a great hang, and we're still friends to this day. Sure. I mean, we we text all the time. Um, but as a young man, a twenty six year old man who just wanted to live on his own and be his own person, I took my I took my leap of faith and 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 have been very proud of myself and very happy uh, for a long time, you know, but a lot of people are like, wow, you quit nine inch nails. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't hard. I mean, it would, it was, it was hard to say goodbye to like a lot of my friends. Cause it was a messy kind of like divorce, you know, like, um, you know, it was like, well, I'm fucking quitting. You know what I mean? Like a, a young, a young man, like yeah, I'm quitting like prideful. I don't think any separation from any band, like any member leaving, there's always, even if it's, you know, 
on both like amicable. There's still I feel like there's still a tinge of I don't know if it's anger or something from somebody. It was just it was it was a shock to the to the to the to the the, the camp, the Nine Inch Nails camp. It had it was like what? <laughs> yeah, Rich went off and got a record contract with Warner Brothers and he's quitting. Like what? Piggy? Like yeah. But we haven't even really got like, you know, and and they kept saying, like, this next record is going to be completely like the downward spiral. This is going to be a completely huge, amazing, massive, successful record. And they're going to make it that way. Interscope was was dying to release like the next level of, of Nine Inch Nails. And I was still like, it's my time. It's I have to leave. It's it's just my time to split. And I love everybody, but I just want to be on my own. I want to be on my own and just live in my own world. And I did. I, Brian Leeskang and I, we went, I, I hired Brian afterwards. And I said, because Brian was ended up, he was working on the downward spiral. And then he got kind of, I don't know, laid off or whatever. Um, and then I was like, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. I'm like, get over here. Let's work on filter. And he was really psyched about it. And then for like six months, we just sat there and drank beer and made crazy you know, kind of punk, kind of grunge, kind of industrial, kind of, you know, loud screaming record. And it just sounded like an angry toddler to me. Sword bus, <laughs> angry fucking young man, toddler, fucking, you know, screaming person. And I loved it. I loved it. I was extremely proud of it. And then when title of record came around, I was like, okay, I'm going to spread my wings and try and see if I'll, how artistically I can kind of, uh, diverge from, you know, the angry punk band that was filter, the angry two man punk band, EDM craziness. I feel like if somebody had heard, take a picture for the first time and went, Oh, I'm going to check out the rest of this band. And then they listened to short bus or like, Hey man, nice shot. They would. Is this the same band? Because if that's your only two examples, then you're you're, you're kind of might be surprised by the fact that it's the same project. Well, hopefully, and you know, I don't know if it's really happened, but hopefully, my audience is eclectic enough to to get the world in between. Because even like you know, Nirvana had you know tantrum or whatever it was, Tourette's or what, whatever oh. that song where it's just noise practically and then you know and then all apologies or something you know even even so i would i would hope but the criticism that i got from the label after title of record came out like later like when i was working on the amalgamate the criticism was you're too damn diverse within one record and I'm like, well, yeah, but like, you know, like you two went off and they were like cowboys for a day. And then they were, and they're like, no, Joshua Tree was their country record. You know, Unforgettable Fire was their experimental record. You know, Octung Baby was their German kind of punk record, you know, industrial record. And pop was their mistake. Like it kind of. <laughs> pop was their mistake. Yeah, pop was <laughs> a turd. There's been a few turds lately from from them i'm not going to pick on them they're my favorite band they're they're hands down my favorite band um they're right up there with like pink floyd and the beatles and like you know the rolling stones and the deftones the deftones are way up there too so well it's like and there's example or i guess samples or examples of that in 
that's those styles, maybe not those specific bands, but those styles in your music. Like you can hear like, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of like this vibe here and put, which I think is great. Like, you know, for it being too eclectic for, for one record, I feel like that's kind of cool in a way. Like you don't want a whole album of the same thing. Like you, you're going to get an album that has something that's going to kick your teeth in and then something you can like chill to. There's this funny thing that I do on Instagram where I kind of sing along to like, like everything. As I come to the studio, I've found a way to, to communicate with my audience again. And that's just to kind of sing, you know, everything from like the Carpenters to, you know, Pantera to Lard to Lion in the Family Stone to, you know what I mean? And it's funny because that's, that's how I listen to music. I listen to music and like I, 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 my favorite bands right now are Scarlord and Rez, R-E-Z-Z and Scarlord. I've heard of Scarlord, but I, I don't, uh, now I'm going to have to check them out though. Absolutely. Just the greatest scream. He's got a whole different vibe from everybody. Um, he's got this amazing s- scream that he, he raps and it, it's like, it's like rap scream, really heavy hip hop and, um, but really good. Um, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm all over the place. I, I love listening to, um, everything. And I think that that kind of comes out. I think that's what for scoring, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's, you, you kind of have to know what the audience needs to feel like. And so I think it's kind of working out that way for me too, as well, just to, just to kind of have so many emotions to draw from. How do you approach making a filter record versus scoring a project? Like, do you have to get into a different mindset between the composition of both of those? It is. It's a completely different mindset. Filter is mine. (laughs) Filter is why I quit Nine Inch Nails, right? Like, it's, it's like, it's my baby and I get to do whatever I want with it. And to, to my detriment, (laughs) like I've, I've point now we're like, you know, I'm screaming everything like this new record is, is basically, I think it's going to be called America. And it's just like one of the lines in it is I can't afford my meds, but at least I got a shotgun. I love the fact that you do not shy away from anything political, especially whether it's social media or on your, in your music. Well, social media is like just diarrhea anyways. And I love to look at my, like my Instagram kind of like last 10 posts and it's just like studio shot, you know, Donald Trump's being an asshole studio shot, you know, Mitch McConnell sucks ass. And then, (laughs) and then like, like my kids on a skateboard and then like a smashed up guitar and then like, you know, and then Donald, and it's, 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 it's a scatterbrain as kind of like our society has gotten. And I, and like for the next record, I want it to be like America meme where the guys like holding the, the, you know, the guys holding the American flag and a shotgun and he's like facing a storm. Yeah. 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 Like that to me, I'm fascinated with people who are voting against their interests for some completely ridiculous 
idea that socialism's bad. <laughs> and like, like, yeah, but don't you want to get your health care? Well, fucking health care is a mess. I'll tell you what, that Obamacare really fucked us up. And it's just like, I love that. It's the same thing as like our Bud's Wire, like when he killed himself. Like, what is that? Like, I want to know, what is that? That's why I wrote Hey Man, Nice Shot. It was like, you're holding a press conference to blow your own head off. Like, like how does that happen in society? How does that kind of happen? And um, to me, that, that's what America is doing right now. It's so goddamn stupid. And it's so fucking goddamn motherfucking socialist motherfucking pussies making us watch queers kiss on TV. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, I get that because I'm from Ohio. I, I understand that white trash kind of crazy. And I feel like that mixed with a bunch of really like loud, abrasive filter songs is, is like the only place I got like left in my, in my world. But there's still some, some ballads because everybody has to chill at some point. Sure. And I still like to write those like, gooey, soft, luscious songs that are kind of like, you know, like, huh, why didn't I write that? Could you take my picture? Because I won't remember, you know, this this one song is like, I just want to get high as a motherfucker. And it's it's so beautifully done that you, you kind of forget the fact that I'm saying motherfucker in it. <laughs> like, and so there's still, there's, there's still barriers and boundaries to be broken in music and now with streaming and the fact that like i don't have to worry about my language anymore i don't have to worry about like you know there's songs out there there's like in the number one song on spotify was if it's not still number one now it's it was like it, it was number one a few days ago or weeks ago but it was like i'll always be you i'll always be your fucking friend you know what I mean? Like they're just swearing. They, they don't give a shit. And, and in our world, it was, you know, you can't get on MTV if you're going to swear like that. You know, like it was always, or at least you can't be on MTV at night, you know, or, or you, you, you'd have to like make all these sacrifices for, for, for the different platforms and everything. And now it's just free as a bird. You can say whatever you want. And so it's it's in many ways i'm just testing the boundaries of my audience once again what's what's left of my audience i'm just i'm just being i'm just being you know because we did we got we got super popular like pop like with take a picture and like you know the people that we used to we used to laugh because people would buy that record and it's like chicago you know well welcome to the fold like they're bludgeoning them like you fucking bought this record now you're gonna have to listen you know what i mean like and then you've got a song like miss blue on that that was that record right miss blue was yeah miss blue was the last song because it was so damn mellow because see to me it's, records are parties like the you know like the minute like okay we're going to the party and crank on some pantera or some you know led zeppelin or 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 now it's you know dead mouse or 
or something like that. And, you, you get, and then all of a sudden everyone starts getting, you know, out there at the party and they're having fun and they're rocking. And then the next thing you know, like someone likes to join. And so now we're trying to mellow out, maybe change the channel a little bit, maybe kind of dull it down a little bit, maybe. And then later on you get a little, little way moodier or maybe a little sentimental and you're a little sloppy and you're singing about Miss Blue and you're doing it, you know, you like, I write albums for albums, you know, to be like, listened from start to finish. You know what I mean? Which is fantastic because there's so much now in the, like the Spotify world where it's like just singles. And I, I feel like the art of the, it makes me sound like I'm 70. I'm just turned 39 this week, but like, I feel like the art of the album has gone away. And I love, like, I just bought a new record player for myself for my birthday because I like the fact that it's a commitment to put on an album and listen to it. Like it's not just clicking, yeah, clicking through like an iPod or whatever has its has its place. But the commitment to sit down, put on a record, and listen to it. My earliest memory, like one of my earliest memories, was my brother Robert giving me the record collection. He was like, "This is my record collection. You are now old enough where you can put the record in here and you can take the needle and you can." Drop it down. If you scratch these records, I'm going to kick your ass. This is the term. My brother was the Terminator in Terminator 2. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. So l- literally the Terminator going, if you scratch my records, boy, I'm going to kick your ass. You know, I'm 10, you know, <laughs> but he, and I would listen to The Clash. That was my, and that The Clash is another one of those bands where within the same record, it's just jazz, reggae, punk you know like they they change their sound like they change you know their underwear you know they're crazy and um but yeah and and you get in with a vinyl record and you sit there and you put that needle down and you're you know and you you know you listen to it it's a commitment it was a commitment back then it was a commitment to take the record out of the sleeve and blow some of the dust off maybe clean the record and Mm -hmm. like okay you know what i mean like and people are so inundated with everything and i was talking to a new uh new friend of mine his name is um sam tanise and he did a great cover of uh welcome to the fold but he's he's like or no not welcome to the fold take a picture sorry um i urge all your followers to to check it out um but he was like, man, it's, you gotta like, you gotta do some other stuff. I'm like, yeah, look at little pump. He is he, little pump is the biggest rock star on the planet. Like he is a bigger rock star than any rock star that's been. And why? Because he fucking smokes pot through his fucking AK 47. <laughs> he puts the bowl down in the bolt and smokes the tip of the, of the AK 47, he throws money off of balconies. He pees on it first. Then he throws hundred dollar bills off into the, into the, into the city of wherever, wherever he's staying at. I mean, that's fucking rock star shit. It's the equivalent of like when Zeppelin would trash a hotel room. That's what it is now. But still, there was a little bit of shyness and like, Oh, we didn't want it to get out. This guy's, this guy's literally, Instagramming him peeing on money and then throwing it off a balcony like silly motherfuckers, ha ha! And and to me, that's the most beautiful thing in the world because that's what rock stars. That's what being a rock musician. Rock musicians are the entire thing behind being a rock star is freedom. 
It's being able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want, say whatever you want to say to millions of people and just sit there and, and, and kind of, and, ha and that's what scares, you know, that's what scares so many people. And that's why people get, get furious with rock stars because rock stars get away with it. What was your, and I don't know if you even want to say or can say, what was your biggest rock star moment? If you can say, or even want to say, if you don't want to say, that's fine. I'm walking in with a briefcase of like $60,000 and like buying a BMW. I want the black one right there. Okay, here, you know, like give me my papers. And they just look at you. They're just like, what? Hi, filter. Hi, Mr. Lead singer filter. We know who you are. Don't you have a bank? Yeah, no, I always wanted to do this. You know, like, you know, like just stupid shit. I, I mean, there's the plane incidents. I, I smoking a cigarette on a plane, getting kicked out, but getting kicked out. Oh, Jesus Christ. But getting kicked off of a plane, the police knew who I were, who I was. A cop friend of mine who is now part, of, I think he's now part of the FBI, but a cop friend of mine recognizing, okay, it's Richard Patrick. Okay. He suffers from a bad heart. Deliver him to a psych ward. At I went to a psych ward for like half an hour. Convinced everybody that I was okay. The nurse, who was kind of in charge of me, goes, "All we need to do is get the doctor to to just see you and tell you to, and and say that you're fine. You just you just had a bad allergic reaction to alcohol at at, at a certain level, and you just forgot where you were and you blacked out a little bit. But whatever. If you take me on a date." This is the nurse. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll get you out of here in about 20 minutes. I'm like, done. <laughs> and then, and then like, she called me like a week later, like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of worried about you. I think, I think, I, I think, I think just letting you out of there was a good idea, but maybe it was a bad idea, but like, like you might be too much of a crazy person for me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, so the date never happened. So uh, here I was facing a $27,000 fine and everything, and, and it just all got washed under the table because no one wants to really arrest a rock star in 1996, you know what I mean? Or 1998 or whatever when it was. But um, yeah, that was pretty rock star. Nothing I'm proud of. It's nothing I'm proud of. I'm, 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 I've been sober for 17 years, so I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to sobriety and everything, but... Um, yeah, there was some crazy alcoholic moments. Was it different performing for the first time once you got sober? Was it a different feeling? It was extremely invigorating and it was really easy because when you're poisoned 24 hours a day, you're slow and your senses are dull and it's hard and you drink yourself into this slowed down kind of and you're, you're dizzy and drunk and stupid and punch drunk 24 hours a day. Even when you're not drunk, drunk, mm -hmm. even when you haven't had a drink in like eight hours, you're still toxic and bitter and fucked up and you don't want to do anything and you're lethargic. And, and then you have a drink and you've got that half an hour window before you get like a blotto. And so performing for the first time, I sang at the pond for the, remember that tsunami that happened Mm -hmm. um back in like 2003 or whatever right uh that was my first performance and it was i sang like whole lot of love by led zeppelin so something something easy to start with really high yeah it was you know some some easy go sing you know robert plant 
the 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 majority of the music you make, it's a completely like a DIY style, which I you know I, I don't, you can say like I have some recording stuff behind me. I'm nowhere near at the level what you're doing, but has that always been your approach? No, I so the first DIY was was short bus. Then number two was title of record. But on title of record, I started hiring people to come in and work like good engineers. Like you get enough money, you start hiring the right talent around you. And so I hired Ray DeLeo. And then, and then, you know, of course, Ben Gross was no slouch and he mixed all those records. So, you know, it would end up in a, in a $3 million studio with like on an SSL board and it would get treated like, so it started off, you know, almost crazy, you know, four track, eight track, that kind of stuff. And we would use that, but we would ad lib more stuff and kind of add to it in bigger studios so it became i became more reliant on people um and and kind of more um dependent on people so this last record and i tried to work with brian leeskang on it he just disappeared i don't know what happened to him but he's just gone um but i have now like gone back to me sitting with the computer and with my guitar collection i have like 18 guitars in this room it's like keyboards and there's all kinds of stuff going on in here and um and basses and a couch and and my huge i have a just a big old fat imac that has everything in it and uh um it's almost there's so much sound i could kind of get carried away and like change change filter forever and you know and it would be totally weird but like I've I've had to like like sit here and kind of focus on like what it was that made me want to get into filter like why did I want to quit nine inch nails why did I what did I want to say with filter and so it's kind of made me realize how much of uh avant-garde kind of pissed off angry little animal it was you know when it first started and that's kind of where I'm at I I feel like when people hear the new the new stuff they're going to be like he ain't getting softer. <laughs> it's it's going to be just as mean because I'm 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 floored on how fucked up this country is. And and you know in the 90s it was like we were pissed at what? Nothing. We were just mad. We were just kind of mad young people. But like if Kurt Cobain were alive today, if if Rage Against the Machine could stand each other enough to be writing records again, like they'd be saying the same shit. And that's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm just saying like what needs to be said. They got us right where they want us at each other's throats. Wasn't that originally supposed to be the title of the record? It could still be, but America, but Mar America kind of sums up even that because America is, there is a side to America that is trying to divide and it's the wealthy class. The wealthy class owns all the all the media, and one media company in general, Fox News, is it's hell bent on keeping people separated and pissed and divided. Because if we come together and we realize what the wealthy have been doing for the past fifty years, they would be they would be out of business. The, the, the Republican Party would be completely gone as we knew it. And that's why they want division. That's why they want misinformation. That's why, that's why he got help from Russia. Because he, he 
agrees with Russia. He agrees with divide and conquer, just like just like um, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, we're going to show those damn hippies who's who's what, you know, and, and, and you know, and 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 that whole thing, and that class of people, that wealthy wealthy class, and it's a party that none of us are invited to. As George Carlin said, none of us are invited, but these wealthy people, people like the Mercers, people like, you know, the, 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 you know, they have, they have, you know, just tons of broadcast, you know, networks, all their, you know, local networks, everything. They have tons of, of and, and the only other guy on, on, on the liberal side of it is Bill Gates. And Bill Gates is just like a fuck you. Here's MSNBC. You know, here's the liberal side of it. But the sad thing is, is the truth is actually what does come out after a certain point mm -hmm. um, that I can kind of see that as a, as a 50 year old person, I can kind of see what's happening now that I've been around the world 20 times. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm a worldly person and, and I've, I've traveled and I've done a lot of stuff and, and I've seen a lot of things. And I would never have even approached this kind of subject matter when I was a kid. When I was a kid, or or even on Amalgamat or or Sun Comes Out Tonight, it was more inward and kind of self-absorbed kind of. But now it's just it's so obvious. Like, oh, this is what they're doing. I was gonna say, is the new record is it entirely like politically charged? Then based off of the craziness no. that's happening. No, because my favorite song is "Getting High Like a Motherfucker." It's what would the average person do, being so confused and so put upon uh they're overwhelmed with information a lot of it's wrong facebook i mean facebook the 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 the, the natural disaster that is facebook well have you seen all of the bill gates conspiracy theories now about like he's gonna microchip the vaccine and track people and it i'm just like how do people buy into all of this they they're dumb they're dumb and and of course they're dumb because America's twenty fifth in the world in, in education. It's they're sick, they're overworked, they're poor. Most Americans making thirty grand, forty grand a year. Most American, ninety nine percent of Americans. Mm -hmm. If you're not in that one percent, I'm in the one percent. You know what I mean? And I'm barely in the one percent. But like most people, have two jobs. Of course there's unemployment before COVID. Of course there's unemployment. Everybody's got two fucking jobs. You know, everybody's overworked. No one has time for their fucking kids. Their kids are growing up dumb. The, the education system is overwhelmed. There's no money in being a teacher. You got to make money, man. You got to make money. The obsession on the dollar. Um, so all of this stuff is just fodder. It's just, and it, in filter, it comes out and just, poetry and shocking statements sometimes and you know hey man nice shot yeah you killed yourself hey man nice shot what were you trying to do like i've always been and you know the the person that told me not to tell anybody what that song was about the number one person that told me like rich you can never ever tell anybody what that song is about that person was trent reznor really yeah i'm like bullshit did he say why? Just because it would be too, at the time, too controversial? Too controversial. You're going to turn people off. And I know people thought initially it was about Kurt Cobain. And yeah, 
did you, I mean, obviously, like, I've read that the song was written years before that ever happened with him. Did you, was it frustrating for you to have to clarify that at the time? Yeah, I mean, it was basically, the worst part about it was, you know, I didn't want Chris and Dave thinking that I, I was out there, you know, pull, do, do, you know, traipsing around with with Kurt Cobain's corpse and like, you know, and, and like making money off of him. Mm-hmm. But I did say the song was about suicide. And then it leaked from the record company because I was like, I don't know if anyone should know about this. And, you know, and Trent's words were kind of in my head. And but they were like, fuck that. <laughs> the label was like, it's about that guy that blew his head off at the press conference. Arba Dwyer. And so the word it was out like in a minute. Billboard, my first interview with Billboard, they they actually um, they're like, we heard it's about this guy Arba Dwyer. I'm like, well, yeah. And I was still sensitive because I was worried about his family finding out about it. Sure. Remember, it was inspired by Arba Dwyer. I mean, you know, some of the some of the lines in it are exactly you know like those who are right there got a new kind of fear, meaning his audience Sure. there and then they'll never forget. Like, hopefully they'll be stronger for it. Like, hopefully they'll, they won't have traumatic, you know, uh, memories of it. They'll actually be grateful that they're alive in some way. Yeah. You know, like, so, but I was, I was, I was worried that his family was going to find out, but then the cat was out of the bag. And, um, to me, as a 26 year old kid, like, what am I going to write about? You know, I don't know enough. And so I brought up these kind of these big swashes of, of, of swatches of, of, uh, topics like is LSD bad? Is is taking LSD bad or good? You know, is, is, is my generation really spent? Are they, is generation X really shit? Like, you know, like, are we, are we worse off than our parents, you know, generation X, you know, that kind of thing spent the song spent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I bring up a lot of stuff when I, when I sing a lot of it's personal, but a lot of it, this record is, is like wholesale, like kind of like, it's, it's very much about America or America as, as okay. Do you have a, a, like a ETA on when it might come out. Cause I'm sure like the way that the world is now with COVID, like everything's kind of on hold. Well, believe it or not, people are listening more than they ever have. You know, people are really like, like people are listening more than they've ever listened. Um, so I, I feel like I want to make it this year, but again, it's gotta be just right. I think I hate to say it, but you'll, you'll probably get singles. You'll probably get singles that are going to be underneath the umbrella or the album America, or they've got us right where they want us. I, I haven't decided. Can we talk a little bit about the other projects outside of filter that you've worked on? Yeah. Uh, is there going to be, and I'm sure you've been asked this before, another army of anyone record. Cause that record was so underrated. Well, here's the deal. I wrote a song called summer child with Brian Lee's gang. And I said, we are now not working on a filter song. We are working on an army of anyone song because it's so iconically that. And so I sent that song to Robert DeLeo and Dean DeLeo and Ray Luzier. 
And Ray instantly said, send me the stems. I'm playing drums on it as soon as possible. And then I'm trying to get the DeLeos to come to my studio and re-record, like get rid of my guitar. Just, or, well, you know, I am a guitar player, so I'll have one track of me playing guitar and then they can do whatever they want. And I'll just be like this quiet little thing that's swished down to nothing. And like, they can have, they can have the rest of the frequencies and the bass and everything. I would love to hear a new, because that record was so good. This song is really, really good. And they're like, fucking hey, Rich, this is really great. So it's kind of, I'm like one and done. Like I'm, I'm, I did all my work on it. It's now I'm just trying to convince the DeLeo brothers. Cause you know, they're busy, man. They have kids and everything and they've got Stone Temple Pilots and they don't, you know, but they have tons of work that they can do with Stone Temple Pilots. And, and so I, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I hope, and by the way, this is an exclusive. You now have the exclusive on this. Um, I've never told anyone about this, but I appreciate um, that. But yeah, I, I I see Army of Anyone at least having this one song come out at some point, and and hopefully uh, it'll get done. Those guys are my my heroes. Like I loved Stone Temple Pilots before I even knew them, and. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I was in Army of Anyone. So, and of course, Ray Luzier is the most gifted drummer. He's the, he's like probably like one of the most world famous, you know, musicians out there. I mean, he's literally the best drummer out there. I mean, he really is. He's played with David Lee Roth and Korn. Ends of the spectrum there. But he's, but because of his insanity, his insane ability to capture a song musically and understand it he can do any he can do anything he can do uh so many amazing things that um kind of getting a little more uh, you know americana kind of rock and roll like the delios is really easy for him and and he comes in and just kind of enhances everything it's really an honor to be in a band with those guys now was the the song from the Underworld soundtrack, the Damning Well, uh, that that group was that ever intended to be more than like a one-off thing, or was there supposed to be a record with that? West Borland had these this collection of like ten, like twenty-minute songs, and they were it was just hours of music of like literally one song was a twenty-minute song and like the one part would happen and then that's it. And then it would just go to another part and another part and another part. And like, I, I was way more into do, I'm like, I don't want to do Jethro tall. I want to do like, like the Rolling Stones. Like I would rather have three minute songs, four minute songs. I just wasn't interested in going on like this massive. And so I, I, I kind of walked out of it. I was like, I'll do underworld and stuff like that, but I'm not going to do these big, long, opuses leave that to tool you know like they can do it they can have that i don't want to i don't want to have to you know i just like writing pop songs you know i like writing songs that are three or four minutes each and four four and a half minutes is is way too long sometimes for for i mean you know i'm not i'm not i'm not saying i don't listen to tool because i love tool and i listen to tool i'm just saying not everyone's that great at it and i i just would I, me personally, my writing ability, I just like to keep them three minutes, two and a half minutes, you know, four minutes. That's kind of my vibe. So what's your opinion on like 
how major labels are now versus where it was like 10, 15 years ago. Like, I feel like you almost don't need the label to oversee your project. It's more of a distribution thing now instead of like a, like that's like the new way. Well, I mean, I've got 20,000 Insta followers and I have 250,000 Facebook followers. So for me, and I've got a million Shazam followers. So for me, I feel like if I went digital and just was like, look, here's my new music and just went on all the platforms at the same time, just said it is now available in streaming. If we get to a point where we feel like I could sell, you know, 20,000 or 30,000 vinyls, I'd make them. You know what I mean? But I really literally want to have a system so that I can just kind of plug in my brand new wave file that I got. That's just my thing and plug that into my digital social media stuff and just say, there it is. Because a label in many respects, and this was kind of a bummer in many respects, they hold you back sometimes, not all the time. Um, craft actually is amazing because they just kind of re-released, but they're still a great label like craft recordings. They're, they're, they're an amazing label. They, they, um, quickly release something. Um, but, but sometimes, you know, labels can get in there and they get, you get too many cooks in the kitchen. And, and the next thing you know, you're watered down and all the rough edges are scraped away and you're not as, you're not as interesting as you were 15 minutes ago before the, the executives came in and told you that you got to compete with the likes of, of, uh, Oh man, you wouldn't believe how many fuck. Like, I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. If you ever say that, like, like there was one time I actually, I was like, Hey, I'm going to fucking kill you. If you ever fucking tell me to fuck it. There was a band that someone had mentioned, like, because they had made it off of that band. I'll never say who it is, but it was, I was like, really, you want me to be like that? <laughs> and they're like, well, no, we don't want you to be like that. It's just that there's this amazing, I'm like, you just mentioned this band that I think it was like, it was just, I was like, it was just like, <laughs> I can't even remember like the band's name. It was so, it was like, who's that guy? Oh, forget it. I want to get in trouble, but it, it was like one of these bands that was like, you knew they weren't going to be around very long. And it was like, it was like, are you fucking serious? You're trying to tell me to fucking be like that. And I literally said, if I ever see that guy again in the studio, I'll fucking kill him. And they're like, well, that's your A&R guy. <laughs> and he's, he's your A&R guy. He's your artist relations person. So if you want to kill him, we're not, we're not doing well. And like, we ended up later having like lunch and like, I'm still going to kill you if you ever say that again, you know, like we ended up like apologizing to each other and everything, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, it, it's music, man. It's my soul. It's my baby. How do you keep your voice in shape? Hey man, nice shot being sung now. Like, how do you do that? Hey man! Like it's. I mean, that's kind of the unwarmed up version, but it, it's kind of there. It's just always on tap. I'm a tenor. Do you warm up before shows? Yo, yeah. And they're crazy. They're like, wrong. Like, like that. Uh, who do you think now, like if you said, who's kind of turning the music industry on its, on its ear? Billie Eilish, Scarlord uh, as well. Uh, there's another guy, I think, 
Ghost Man or something. We've heard about this guy, Ghost Man. But Rez is is my my EDM favorite right now. R-E-Z-Z. I'm going to have to look it up after we're done, too. Yeah, you know, I just saw her play at the Greek Theater. Like, no one knows who she is except, she, yeah, she just played at the Greek Theater, like, in October and, like, fucking blew me away. I was second row. It was the first time I've been to a concert where I was second row, bought the tickets, paid hundreds of dollars, got to the front row. It's one person. She's got a big, huge light show. She stands there with her little EDM stuff and these killer little goggles that are just like moving back and forth, her eyes moving back and forth, like, you know, and, and it's just amazing. It's like the greatest fucking music, super loud. Like I was right next to the speaker. I'm still partially probably a little deaf in, in my deaf in my right ear. Um, but I accepted it. I just was just letting it wash over me, this insane energy. And it was like, I was the oldest guy there. And people are like, what are you doing here? Can I move here? Can I sit? Like, and I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. I'm here. This is, this is my spot. I'm not moving. You know, like, come on. I know how to make you leave. You're so fucking hot. <laughs> like these, these, yeah, these like little kids trying to creep me out or something. I'm like, dude, really? You think you can creep me out, motherfucker? Do you have any advice for any like any rock bands now who's who are trying to make a dent in 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 music? Um, I would have to say, go for it as hard as you fucking can. When I see the Post Malone and all the kids with the tattoos, I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of shit. That's the kind of fucking crazy. I mean, Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson fucking drove people fucking crazy because he was so fucking avant-garde and crazy for the time. So it was Trent. And I was right on the end. I was like the guy. See, I was the guy in Trent's ear saying heavier, darker, meaner, heavier, darker, meaner, heavier, darker, meaner. Like, because there was on Pretty Hate Machine, he could have gone either way. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, you got me working so hard lately. Working my hands until they bleed. If I was twice the man, I could. Like, that's, I'm singing the song, bro. I'm not picking on him. I'm singing the fucking song. I'm not, you know, but that's kind of where it was at. It was a little bit like he could have, he was right on the edge of like information society. Look that one up. And like that kind of like, are we techno guys or are we going to fucking beat people's asses because wasn't he in a band like that before nine and ten didn't he play keys or something the exotic birds dancing on the airwaves i hear the music dancing in my yeah something like that i'm gonna have to find that too and just listen to it if it's out there i'm sure it's out there somewhere a little there was a little danger he could have gone he could have gone a little bit more depeche mode and not enough fucking ministry and it was my that was my thing that was and that's why on the broken ep he said i'd like to thank my live band for being an influence and i was an influence on that i was on the whole every my second my existence in nine inch nails was to man it up and be piggy and be as hard as fuck and fucking throw shit but i threw beer off that stage i don't know how he didn't get sued <laughs> Dude, I would throw beer bottles off that stage. I would fucking throw 
I would, we would smack fucking security guards on the back of their head when they were too hard on the crowd. I would jump into the audience. I'd fucking feet first, you know, into the mosh pit and fucking, we were hard, you know? And then when I split, like, you know, you guy left my mark. I let, you know, I could tell that I left my mark. Do you think you guys would ever work together again, either for a one-off or? Well, he's actually fucking super duper. I mean, he's, 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 he's way up there working on all kinds of different projects with all, all types of people. I don't know. Sometimes he, he, I, you know, at one point he was saying, why don't you sing on this thing I have called tapeworm. And, um, that just disappeared that, that project just disappeared, but he was working with Zach from, I don't know. There's all kinds of projects out there that are, that I don't know if they ever came out or whatever, but, um, we did talk at some point, but I don't know. I, I, I like him as my buddy. Like, like he's like, you know, we're friends. We've, we're, we're, he's met my children. You know what I mean? He's, you know, he's, I've met his kids. You know, we, we have, we have a good friend relationship and that's kind of the only thing that matters to me is that, you know, cause I, I have plenty to do in my own career and he has plenty to do in his own career. And it's not something that it's not something that I would turn down. I just don't know if it would probably ever happen. One song in the history of all time and space that you're like, damn, I wish I wrote that. What is it? The Unforgettable Fire by U2. Didn't even have to think about it. That song in an era that was so god-awfully cheesy. The 80s. Joseph's got a big da-da-da-da-da. And these guys in 1984 are like, Ice, your rivers run cold, this city light. You know, just the most gorgeous guitar. Brian Eno, Daniel uh, Lenoir, um, you know, The Edge playing piano and guitar at the same time. I always thought that was cool how he did that. Bono, his lyrics are so beyond, like so beyond the, the, the shit that was coming out at that time, the fucking hair metal, the fucking, you know, the, 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 you know, you know, she's only 17, you know, that shit, that fucking. So they were this like elegant, amazing. And yet, and if you listen to the song now, you should crank that right now, just crank it in your own. I might even do it. If you listen, it's so just, a be it was it just it was like it was like listening to like jesus christ come down from the i mean it was like it was i i don't know what jesus you know i'm saying it was it was it was like a ufo landed on my front yard like how the fuck could i possibly understand what was happening and remember i was 14 you know i was like blown away by it and it stuck with you your whole life that's how you know music is powerful Oh my God. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of their stuff that I wish I wrote. Um, beautiful day. Uh, just, you know, comfortably numb by, by Pink Floyd, just the, you know, we don't need education, the, the, the guitar solos and, and just the guitar solo in that song, man. It's just, it's so tasteful. It's so elegant and tasteful and, and it's not gaudy and it's not, it's not, 
masturbatory or 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 muscle flexing you know um shit i'd rather listen to to that solo over like an ingve malmsteen solo any day of the week yeah i appreciate <laughs> i mean i can appreciate but but have you been, have you been on like like facebook where you like you see someone playing guitar and like you're you're in that loop where like oh there's another one and then you see them playing guitar and then like oh there's another one right underneath that it's some guy playing guitar and they're genius they're like fucking insane like where they're sweeping and they're doing all this shit and it's just like okay anyone can do it like everyone and anyone can do it here it is on facebook proof positive that there's millions of people that can sit there and do this shit with a guitar and it still doesn't it's like after you heard one you heard them all you know and it's like i have a deep appreciation for the people that sit there and learn their scales um but i i would would, would rather obviously listen to a david gilmore solo any day of the week or the edge the edge doesn't even have solos i mean he's just kind of he's just kind of he, he does exactly what's needed per song and that's it it's texture and it's vibe yeah it's texture it's vibe and that's honestly that's what my scores are like it's like it's just sounds and i do drone scores and and if i want to get really technical and write something orchestral you know i'll collaborate with some people and i'll work on it from that level but i'm into the experimental side the, the brian eno side the ambient records that he made back then you know um and that's what's always done it for me musically. It's like, you know, getting feedback. You know, I, I, I remember when I discovered feedback, my, my brother, Robert goes, Oh my God, he's discovered feedback. Leave, leave him alone. Leave him alone. You know, all the effects pedals on, you kind of got the mic in front of the guitar up against the amp, just looping. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that for, I do that. That's what I do with this computer. 24 hours a day, I just sit there and make fucking, you know, and that's, and that to me is, is like job well done. <laughs> you know, like I made one decent sound today. Great done. <laughs> you know, like I love it. Richard, thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. I am excited to hear the new filter stuff. America, if that's what it ends up being. America, they got us right where they want us at each other's throats. Hopefully you can talk those DeLeo brothers into laying down some tracks, man. I want to hear that too. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, Ray's going to put the drums on it first and then I'll get the two DeLeo guys in here. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll help me finish it and we can call it army of anyone for sure. So that would be fantastic, dude. Thank you so much, man. Uh, continued success for you. Uh, nothing but the best. And you know, I hope, uh, during these crazy times, you, you and your family staying safe and healthy. You got it. I appreciate it. And thank you for the interest. And I hope everything goes good for you and your family and all your friends and uh, stay positive and, and wash your hands. Thank you, Richard. Have a great day. It was great talking to you. We'll see you soon.